Morning, all. Um, I have a slight apology to make. Um, I left my PowerPoint at home, so there's no PowerPoint this morning. Um, as the PowerPoint actually just included the verses that I'm reading this morning, um, hopefully most of you will either have a physical Bible or a Bible on an app, or will just have to listen to me talking. Okay, so the words are there. Um, so this morning, um, we're looking at Exodus chapter 16, which is actually the chunk that was in the middle of what Ben was talking about last week, the bit he didn't read last week. Um, and in some ways, quite like last week, there are loads and loads of thoughts that I'm going to bring, and I'm not going to expect to give any answers, but um, I'm asking you to basically see if there's one thing that speaks to you and hold on to that, rather than trying to remember everything. So in chapter 15, as Ben said last week, we see that God, this is the people of Israel, they're wandering through the desert, they've come out of slavery not long before, and they're heading towards the promised land. Um, and they'd run out of water. We can't survive without water. Um, and they, they'd got water. God had provided them with water, and he'd actually found a way for them to make undrinkable water drinkable. They'd moved on again, they'd got a secure and safe place with lots of water, and then they'd moved on again. And that's where we join them, at the beginning of chapter 16. So starting chapter 16, verse 2 of Exodus. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Then we sat around pots of meat and ate all, ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. No overstatement there at all. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day they are to prepare what they bring in and that's to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the, e in the evening you will know it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he's heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he's heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses, Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord before he's heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat and in the morning you'll be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. We are going to read a bit more in a minute. Um, but... As I say, these people, they'd come out of Egypt, they'd been slaves, and in many ways, they actually didn't know God in Egypt. They didn't really know he, who he was like. They didn't know what the character of their God was like. They just knew that they were Israelites, descended from Abraham, and that that was the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That's kind of what they knew. In the ancient Near East, in that time, it was really normal for a god to be geographically based. 
So if you were in Egypt, you worshipped the Egyptian gods. If you were in Canaan, you worshipped the Canaanite gods. But actually, this story, what they're starting to see was that God came to them in Egypt. And then he came to them as they were in the desert and provided them with water. And then he came to them in the desert here, when they're grumbling about food. They're starting to see that God is not actually limited in space. He's not tied to a land. And that's something that's actually quite new for them in what they're thinking. He travels with them. It matters that he's with them. They're getting to know his power and what he's actually willing to do and able to do. They're getting to know his character. They're getting to see that he's trustworthy and caring. He wants them to be able to rest. He wants them to be well nourished. He wants them to feel reassured about the future. But the thing is, they're actually going to have to learn to trust him in this. Not just for their needs for today, but their needs for tomorrow as well. So all of this stuff is new to them. So just see how that fits in the next little chunk. So verse 13. That evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thick, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? Because they didn't know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it till morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. And then in chapter 20, I'm just going to read two verses. Um, verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And verse 8, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. So there's two things I'm going to look at this morning. One is manna and quail, the, the food bit. Um, and the other is the Sabbath bit. Okay, so again, like I said, you may find that one of those bits is more relevant for you at the moment, but bear with me. So with the food, we see that actually the family had to work together. You go out and pick up enough for your household. 
you know that's it's a community thing this going and gathering your food in the morning um, they were becoming more of a community rather than a slave people um, this is something new generations of them had been slave people so in their national psyche in their ethnic psyche there would have been that we are slave people and although they would have known they were free it takes time for that to go it takes time to get rid of that they needed time to be built as a community of God's people sometimes we're trapped by what's gone on in the past we're trapped by our family history but actually God is saying no it's time to come out and to actually do stuff as a community of God's people be who he has made you to be The next thing we see is don't leave any for the next day. And I have to admit, I would be rubbish at this. Because if I was sitting in a situation where I had no food, I had no food to offer my children, even though I know that God provided us with water not long ago, I would still be really tempted to save some till the morning because I want to provide for my family. I want to be able to make sure that actually we're okay for tomorrow. But when God is saying this, don't leave any for tomorrow, he's actually saying, I am the parent here. I will provide. I will keep looking after you step by step by step. And that hasn't changed. God is still our loving parent, our good parent, who will provide for tomorrow. You know, I think we are taught to save for a rainy day. It's a classic phrase that you hear. Um, and, you know, I think there is, I'm not saying that we should never do that because actually at the moment we see in, in the desert, they were told, no, I will provide day by day. You do not save anything for tomorrow. But they were also, once they went into the land, they were expected to save crops to be able to plant the following season. So it is, it's a season, it's a time. And I kind of sat there and thought, okay, so how does that work for us today? Because do we do one, do we do the other? You know, which, which camp do we fit in on this? But actually, I think the principle that I get out of this is it's a principle of trust. That actually when God asks us to do something, will we do that or will we say, but I like that idea? Are we actually going to trust that when God says don't save any till tomorrow that's the right thing to do are we going to trust that when he says save that bit for the next season's planting that actually that is what we are to do it's about the trust it's not about actually what we're doing and that's going to look different for each of us we're not all going to be at the same place but at this point in time the Israelites were all in the same place don't save it till morning so it says it specifically, it's a test. Are they going to actually follow God's instructions? Um, are they going to collect what they've been told to collect? Are they going to trust it's going to come tomorrow? Are they trusting God for anything? Are they trusting God for everything? Um, you know, he wants relationship. God wants relationship with us today in the same way that he wanted relationship with his people back then. And relationship does come with an element of trust. Trust incurs a sense of risk 
we feel that risk if we're going to leave it to God. Um, and yet actually what we find time after time after time is that God is trustworthy. God is the provider. He will always be there with us. He will always be there for us. But actually, I think key over and above the food, over and above the stuff, God wants relationship with us. He wanted relationship with them. He wanted them to come to him like the Father. Um, And I think maybe the test here is not so much about actually what they do, but it's actually do they see God as a relationship? Do they want to know him or do they want the meal ticket? Which are they after? And so I ask the same question of us. Are we after that relationship with God? Or after we, are we after what we can get? Let's say, lots of questions. Um, he provided them with a basic diet. They've got water, they've got protein, they've got carbohydrates. It's basic. They do whinge and moan later that it's boring. But... You know, it is a basic diet. They can live on this and what, what else is around. Um, apparently it tasted like wafers made with honey. Doesn't sound quite so bad when you put it like that, rather than the bit of dew that's been left on the ground. Um, this provision is actually, like I said, as a reminder of God's presence with them. He's with them every step of the way. It's not a case of I'm here and you go over there and it's not going to be there. God travelled with them. God was with them every step of the way. Um, you know, today we do have um, in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. He's actually asking for that same thing. They then get to the point where it says, okay, yeah, we've had this six days. We've collected it all. Yep, it's still come the next day. And then Moses is saying, collect twice as much today because tomorrow there's not going to be any. Again, I think I would have a wobble, if I'm honest. You know, okay, so if I collect more, is it going to go mouldy? Because that's what happened on Monday. Um, If I collect, if I don't collect enough, am I going to have enough for tomorrow? If God doesn't provide it tomorrow, does that mean actually that's it? We've had one week and that's all. You know, these are my honest, and I think actually we can be like that with stuff today, that there is an element of... Actually, I know that God was there in the past. I know that God's done that. But, but, but. And actually God says it's okay. And he then really introduces this Sabbath thing. So it's, will God provide for the Sabbath? Is he going to provide for that day on top? But I think the bigger thing about Sabbath was this was a people that had just come out of slavery. Their value as people, was purely on what they could do. How many bricks at the end of the day? So your value, you could look at your pile of bricks and say, that is how much I'm worth today. And that's what slavery does to people. And that's the mindset that it it gets people into. And actually, that meant that resting was not okay under any circumstance. Because then your value... Your humanity was devalued because you didn't do as much. And God turns around to them and says, no, rest. Have time off. 
And, you know, yes, we are not slaves in this country, most people. But many of us do feel trapped by the things that we've got to do. We do feel that actually our value comes from what is our pay packet. The first question when we ask, when we meet new people is often, what do you do? Because then we can pinpoint people into a, a position. Yes, it can provide conversation pieces as well, but often it's a case of actually trying to pigeonhole people. So in some ways, we're not any different. When we here go and rest, do we feel like actually, that means I'm not doing anything, I'm not achieving anything, I'm not whatever your particular phrase is that you come up with. And I've heard it said so many times that we're actually really bad at believing that we're human beings rather than human doings. You know, we're so tied up with what we do that we forget that it's okay to be. It's okay to enjoy that sunset. It's okay to rest in God's presence. It's okay to take time off. Now, I know some people who do actually do a Sabbath on a regular basis, and it's something that I know I want to put some practice of Sabbath into my life. But I don't find it easy. How do you deliberately do it? Because you can take a day off and go off and no contact with God, no communication. It's just a day to get the garden done or it's a day to get X, Y and Z done. And we're back to human doings again. Um, but actually what we see here is that God told them to bake what they want to bake and boil what they want to boil on the sixth day they got stuff ready, so it was there, ready for the Sabbath. They actually had some preparation time for Sabbath. It wasn't just a, actually, I don't feel like going into work today. It was actually a deliberate, intentional time. And I think for me, and I'm definitely speaking to myself as much as to anybody else, you know, we're never going to rest well if we haven't made space for it in our diary. If we're constantly thinking, but I've got that to do as well or I haven't done this yet. Do we prepare to have time alone with God? Do we prepare to have time with his people? Do we prepare to have that Sabbath rest? Um, in John Mark Homer's book, um, he talks about, we can be too busy to live emotionally healthy and spiritually rich and vibrant lives. Are we too busy to actually be emotionally healthy? Are we too busy to live spiritually rich and vibrant lives? Because that's what God wants for us. He wants us to have that Sabbath, that time when we can rest, that time when we can be. And I think that a Sabbath mentality, a Sabbath practice helps with this. So I can look at, okay, how's all this relevant for today? You know, how can we live as the truth that we are loved just because we're God's people and not because of what we do. He loves you anyway. You're worth it anyway. Nothing to do with what you do. Nothing to do with what I do. But I think, 
you know, we've, we've got this Sabbath looking different for each of us. We're trying to take time deliberately, intentionally, create that time away. But that looks different at different stages of life. It looks different in different families. It looks different for different individuals. You know, we've all got to work out actually what this looks like for us rather than necessarily a one-size-fits-all. Because what one person finds restful and time that actually engages them with God and with other people is not going to do the same for other people. Be kind to yourself. So if we're looking at the manna, most of us are not living in a way that's actually relying on God's provision daily. Not in the West. Many of us do have enough for tomorrow. And if we're really honest, many of us do have enough for next month as well. Um, that's not the case for everybody. But it is for a large percentage. But actually, are we relying on God's provision? Even if we have that bit of space and spare. Do we trust that if we rest, God will provide and that God will love us just as much? You know, I'm not talking about being lazy. I can do that quite easily. But are we talking about rest? Do we have margin in our days? Have we got that space that means that actually we don't feel like we've got to constantly rush to the next thing? But we've actually got space for people, space to listen to God. And again, John Mark Comer talks about celebrating Sabbath, putting that time aside. Actually, that attitude spills into the rest of the week. And that when we really look at having that time that is God's time, we then find that actually we can see God in other, other parts of the week too. We can treat people in ways that are loving and ways that are godlike. So, you know, for us, what is the equivalent of slavery that we've left? It can be expectations of parents, expectations of workmates, expectations we've put on ourselves. It can be our jobs. It can be caring for other people. It can be physical. It can be emotional. There's a whole load of things. It's not slavery, but it is things that's kept us trapped in feeling we've got to do. We've got to do things. And God doesn't want us to feel trapped in that we've got to do things. That's why he's provided Sabbath as an option for us. Well, not even an option. It's something he's... He says this is the way it should be. This is how we're created. What reminders do we each have in our own lives of the fact that God's daily presence is with us. Like I said, give us this day our daily bread. Now we don't come, or I don't come, from a tradition which automatically says the Lord's Prayer every day. But actually I still want to have that attitude that says, yes God, I want to come to you daily for my daily bread. I want to come and collect that day by day and knowing that actually the bread that I've collected today is not good for tomorrow. I need to come daily and get the bread for today. Um, Jesus is the bread of life. I think probably every time I speak, I always come back to the answer is Jesus. Um, because he is. He is the bread of life. Um, and 
think one of the things that really encourages me um, is that as I look through the story in Exodus, um, and at the moment I've also been trying to do some study in Judges, and I look at God's people um, through that time, they failed him, they whinged, they moaned, they complained, they did things that were totally contrary to everything he said, and God loved him, and he loved them, and he loved them. Um, and actually, even when we feel like we have failed repeatedly, God is faithful. He will still keep providing. He did for them and he will for us. But actually, over and above, he wants to be with us. He wants that relationship with us. And actually, each time we fail, we find that it's harder to come back. Because that's us. He's still there with open arms. Um, so God doesn't want us to be round, running around all over the place, busy, busy, busy doing. Um, he wants us to be with him, to trust him, to know him, and to be like him the way that we are created to be. So as Rachel comes back um, with the band, I think I'm going to ask the, the ultimate question. <laughs> What's your takeaway for this morning on this one? There's so many different questions I've asked. There's so many different things in there. But what is the one thing that actually God is saying to you this morning? Um, and I don't know how many of us there are in here, but it could easily be 80 different things, 90 different things, whatever. Um, it's what is God saying to you? Pick that and then hold on to that as we go through the week. There will be people here to pray with you if you want to. Um, but come to God as we worship in this last song. Um, and... Uh, yeah, just listen to what he's saying to you this morning. <laughs>